This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Ha-cha! Hey, everybody, this is Terry Moore, and I hope you're listening to Two-Headed Nerd Podcast, because otherwise, I don't know what you're doing here. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it's our pleasure to welcome you to episode 484 of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast. My name is Matt Pop. Pace yourself. Pace wow. yourself. Wow. <laughs> I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick. It seems like forever ago that Matt and I were cursed to share the same body after discovering an ancient ziggurat below Omaha. And it seems as if we've been hosting this show and helping you nerds navigate the vast ocean that is comic book culture for even longer. It's true. In this episode, Joe and I review Skyward number one and Action Comics number 1000. Then we'll fire energy bolts from our hands at eight more comics during the ludicrous speed round. And after that, we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we will be discussing our must-read picks for next week. And finally, we have another visit from the official THN comic book historian, Jason Sexier Sachs himself, returns to discuss just who the hell is Adam Warlock. THN 484 is here, nerds. But at what price? Now, let's talk about this week's Nerd News! Nerd News. Scary shit. It's heavy. Yeah, man. Wow. Yeah. The stakes are higher than ever. I know, right? Uh, hold on to your butts, Matt, because I have breaking news. Yeah. Woo! Didn't see this coming. No, for real. <laughs> I do have breaking news. Oh, breaking news. Not what's written down. We've got... No, this is real breaking news that I just discovered this morning. All right. You broke the news. I'm going to fix it. Let's go. According to BleedingCool.com, an internet website on the internet, yes, DC Comics might be planning a sort of fresh start of their own. What? Based on the uh, recent talks at C2E2 and other conventions and the notion of Brian Michael Bendis's uh, curated line of comics at DC that was announced... It seems as though several marquee creators are coming to DC or relaunching high-profile books like Grant Morrison on Green Lantern. What? Possibly with Liam Sharp as the artist. Okay, time out. Is this just now, the stuff of rumor? No, hold on. There's rumor? more. Just hold on. Brian Azzarello relaunching Suicide Squad. What? Kelly Sue DeConnick on Aquaman. And David Walker... On a Flash spinoff comic, not uh, not taking the Flash main Flash away from Joshua Williamson. This would be a separate book, Flash related. Man, I love Kelly Sue, but I'm really liking Dan Abnett's Aquaman. I don't want him. Well, uh, that's the thing. Like, we don't know if these are taking over existing books or if they are going to be on, uh, you know, companion books. So we don't know anything, and it's all just rumor. But these are pretty big names, and according to Rich Johnston. He's gotten confirmation from several sources on okay, most of them. Rich Johnson has been wrong just as much as he's been right as well. But so. he's also, as he's also, as he's very quick to point out, he has also been the one to break the news that DC was relaunching before we knew it was the New 52. Yeah. That DC would have a special imprint for marquee creators doing out-of-continuity stories before we knew it was Black Label. No, that's true. Like, he's got a track record of this stuff. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it's 
It's a rumor and it's a strong one. Well, like he's almost he's 99% certain about this Grant Morrison news cuz three different people told him it was true. Okay, it's odd because at the same time while Green Lantern has been good, its numbers have been slipping. Uh the same with Aquaman, a very good title that is not selling huge numbers. Like everything you named was stuff that could use a little boost and names like that would really kick all those titles up. So I don't know if that lends any credence to this or not. Well, let's not worry about that. Let's talk about like, let's talk about the talent. Like is Brian Azzarello going to get you to read a suicide squad comic? Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause I have no interest in the suicide squad as it is right now. No. And I would say let's mix it up a little bit. I, I don't think DC needs to understand that their comics universe is so far separate from their movie universe that they don't have to ape it. You're not going to trick anybody that went to see the Suicide Squad and liked it, and I don't know what's wrong with them if they did like it, but you're not going <laughs> to trick those people into reading the Suicide Squad comic. It's just not going to work. I, I, I'm sure there is a, there's a bump that you can see in sales that comes with these movies, but it also always ties into some new number one that they're doing. So you're still preaching to the choir. So if Brian Nazarill is going to do it, give us a different Suicide Squad. I don't need the one that we have now. It doesn't do much for me. I don't like Harley. I, I think she's fine in her own book, and I understand people love her. I don't need her in the damn Suicide Squad. Well, yeah, but I mean, this kind of, this version of the Suicide Squad came out way before the movie did. I'm well aware, and they decided to base the movie loosely off of it and whatever. And I would like to see Brian Azzarello do something different with it. Just let him go sure. nuts. You know, the same thing like with whatever Grant Morrison is going to do on Green Lantern. I don't care what he does. Give it to him. Let's do it. While Vendetti's Green Lantern has been really good, I don't so much care about the other Green Lantern's book. And I think that would be a good place to bring back like something like Green Lantern Corps, you know, or just plain old Green Lantern. Well, Hal Jordan in the Green Lantern Corps is a Green Lantern Corps comic. Right. right. But I would rather see, quite honestly, I would rather see Hal as my Green Lantern and then Green Lantern Corps focus on the other Green Lanterns. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this. Like, I like David F. Walker a lot. He's uh, he wrote the. Um, he most recently jumped off a run on Cyborg. He uh, brought the Shaft comic to life, which was excellent. Um, but I like Joshua Williams and Splash, so I don't know what they. I don't know what he would do in a different book. Maybe it will be a Wally West book. That Maybe. would be great. Maybe. Um, Liam Sharp's a great artist. He filled in for, uh, Van Skyver on uh, a couple pages of Green Lantern Corps a couple months back and it was pretty good. Yeah. I like Kelly Sue a lot, but like you said, I like Dan Abnett too. So I don't know. I, I, I don't want DC to like try to rush to fix things that aren't broken. But like you said, if these titles need a sales boost, then. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they necessarily need to do a fresh start or anything. Just relaunch some books, whatever. That's fine. You can gently do it. The DC Universe is in a good place. We don't need to you know, erase anything or change anything. I think just gently relaunch some of these books if you want to. Or launch new ones. Who cares? So, you know, we'll keep an eye on this story and see how it develops. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll just be contained to the Bendis imprint and they'll just be fun I hope standalone not. comics. But. I hope not. I hope they can I, let them do this, you know? Well, no, I mean, I, I think they'll still take place in continuity, but like maybe they're just going to be, maybe, maybe the books we have aren't going to get canceled and replaced. Maybe right. there's just going to be more of them. Right. So time will tell. This story is developing.
In other big Hollywood news, guess what? Steven Spielberg is making a Blackhawk movie. What? <laughs> yes, he is signed on to produce and possibly direct a Warner Brothers movie based on DC's Blackhawk. Spielberg's longtime collaborator, David Koop, who worked on Jurassic Park, War of the Worlds, Indiana Jones, and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which sucked, <laughs> will write the script. They are. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Which doesn't thrill me, but at the same time, it seems like Blackhawk is something that is a lot easier to get right. For those of you who don't know, Blackhawk was originally created in 1941 by Will Eisner, Bob Powell, and Chuck Quidera for quality comics. Their original story was out of an international squadron of fighter pilots during World War II. DC Comics acquired Blackhawk and a lot of other quality comics back in the late 50s. And in the recent Dark Knight's Metal Comics event, the Blackhawks were tied into modern-day continuity and the Hawkman mythos. I personally I, love the Blackhawks. I do, too. I love the Blackhawks. I love the concept of yes. this, like... They're not exactly mercenaries, but they're, like... Or soldiers of fortune, but they're just, no. like, a freelance team of... Like, elite fighter pilots, basically. Yeah. <laughs> that live on an island, and they're like, yep, need help in uh, Trouble Spot X? Let's hop in our planes and go bomb some stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the Blackhawks are awesome. And I think this is an exciting news. Like uh, a director like Spielberg joining the DC cinematic universe can only be a good thing. Sure. And even if it's just to do like a fun World War II romp with the Blackhawks, you know, shooting dinosaurs and fighting aliens and stuff along hey, with dude, Nazis. Have Wonder Woman show up. Totally into it. I would totally be into it. I, I think this is, this is a perfect choice for Spielberg. And Same. I love that he's excited about it. This is coming from Amblin Entertainment, so it's going to be his. It's going to be huge. Spielberg's not going to make a grim and gritty <laughs> Blackhawks movie. He's no. not going to make no. Like even if it's like even if it's like Saving Private Ryan, Ryan, or or one of his other darker war movies. Well, I hope it's not that intense. <laughs> no, but it's even that's not going to be as like grim, dark as Batman versus Superman. Right. I, I just I, I just I think it's very hopeful and I I love the idea and like they all have like matching cost like uniforms with logos on them and oh, stuff. Sure. The, the Blackhawks are just good. Well They're and great. Yeah, Spielberg's made a bunch of war movies and he's made a bunch of sci-fi flicks and this is a perfect blending of the two. And I love more action adventure from Spielberg. I'm glad that he's getting back into it. I think Again, there's no announcement as to when this is coming or even if this is absolutely happening. This is new news, but I'm I'm hopeful for this. I think it could be a lot of fun. All right, finally, from the uh, from the genetic engineering desk, Transhuman and East of West have been optioned by Amazon as live action television series. This is according to Deadline. These are the comic titles created and written by Jonathan Hickman, drawn by J.M. Ringway and Nick Dragota. Respectively. And they are part of a, <laughs> respectively, yes, yes, of course. And they are part of a deal produced by Robert Kirkman's Skybound Entertainment uh, and their exclusive first look deal with Amazon. I love this. I absolutely love this. Amazon is dumping billions of dollars into their original like TV shows. We know that they're developing Lord of the Rings. And they've already spent a ridiculous amount of money on that. I think East of West could be their sci-fi epic. Could be a huge, yeah, massive like, sci-fi epic. Like their Westworld kind of. Yeah. That book is so big that it's like the mythos barely fit into the comics. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I I love Deeds of West. I'm so far behind on it. It is a um, wonderful title. Transhuman was a limited series, and I adored Transhuman. Oh, it was it's great. so good. It was so good. Uh, and it's about like the dangers of genetic engineering and and yeah. like unlocking the body's potential. And oops, we gave uh, chimpanzees enhanced intelligence. Oh no, what are we gonna do? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a great series, and it's full of big ideas. And I think that they could do a pretty meaty series on that. Hickman, the good news is Hickman is going to write East of West himself. Yeah. Uh, Skybound's going to hire an outside writer for Transhuman, so whatever, that'll be fine. Which is fine. But I mean, yeah, Transhuman, uh, while I think, it's wonderful, is a much smaller story. Yeah, and exactly. it's it's more personal and smaller and encompassed. Whereas East of West is just massive. It is a for those of you who don't know, it is like a futuristic western set with like science and gods and magic and and it is and uns- the literal four horsemen of the apocalypse. Right, it is unstoppably beautiful and huge in scope. I would love to see this come to television. And this is one that, honestly, I wouldn't mind if it was animated. Wouldn't bother me at all. I wouldn't either, but a part of me does uh, w- want to know what it will look like live action. Sure. Like, how, how are they going to translate that? Sure. But, I mean, if they if they have the the chops to get Lord of the Rings to, like, a streaming cable provider, I think that they can do East of West. Oh, without a doubt. No, and this is yeah, huge. This news. is Kirk- good news. And I love, I love, love, love when announcements like this come and it includes heavy involvement from the creator. Yeah, absolutely. That's the only way. As opposed way- to just like, I sold the rights to something. That's the only way to do it. I get to sit anymore. in the room while they tell me how they're going to do it. Right. That's the only way to do it anymore. And I think we've they've already proven that model between The Walking Dead and The Tick and all the other wonderful comic adaptations we've had recently directly working with the creators. And you know when you see a name like Robert, or pardon me, yeah, like Robert Kirkman attached to it, he's going to take care of these people and he's going to get them on board to do it. I, I think this is fantastic news. Me too. So there's your nerd news and analysis for the week. Be sure to head over to the THN forums and let us know what you think about these stories and everything we missed. You can find them by heading to toitandnerd.com and clicking on the forums button. It is review time in the Ziggurat, and Joe is going to tell us about the biggest landmark issue in comics history, the return of Superman's red underpants. Joey, up, up, and away with yourself, baby. Up, up, and away with yourself, jerk. My review is, of course, Action Comics 1000 from DC Comics, written by... Among others, Brian Michael Bendis. Excuse me. Is he, art by Jim Lee. Is he back to various, Brian Michael in our book? He's not BM Bendis anymore. <laughs> oh, sorry, BM Bendis. Yes. My mistake. It's eighty pages for seven ninety nine, which is a pretty good deal, actually. Absolutely. I think. Uh, I'm not going to read the solicit. It's just a bunch of celebratory nonsense. Action Comics becomes the first American comic to hit issue one thousand with this showcase anthology of talent that has defined the man of tomorrow over the past. Several decades. There have been other comics to hit 1,000. Well, maybe just one. 2000 AD. Yeah. But that book comes out weekly. Yeah, so that doesn't count. We're talking about monthly yeah. comics. Not Nothing right. wrong with 2000 AD, but monthly. No, no, comics. not at all. Not to take anything away from it. It's long-running, very I celebrated. Love it. This issue features several stories that highlight the Man of Steel at his best and celebrate his illustrious history over the past 80 years. All of the stories are at least enjoyable. Several of them are legitimately great. 
Standout stories for me include Pete Tomasi's journey through every decade of Superman's history and beyond with art by Pat Gleason that I swear to God transcends anything that he's done with the character so far. It is. Yeah. Pat Gleason is so beautiful. It was my favorite story. The game by Paul Levitz and Neil Adams, which highlights the grudging, mostly one-sided respect between Superman and Lex Luthor. Action Land, which proves that even after all these decades, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez is still an unbeatable talent. And Faster Than a Speeding Bullet, which features some of the best John Cassidy art in years, because that dude's kind of struggled. Yeah, definitely. If there was one true disappointment in the issue for me, it was the introduction of Brian Michael Bendis to the DC Universe. As a as a prelude to his upcoming run, it's fine. It's not that it's bad necessarily. It's just that it's really generic. It's generic superhero stuff. It doesn't feel at all special. And it seems kind of out of place in this like celebration of the Man of Steel's history. And in fact, like there's a lot of talk online that the plot that he's introducing about the 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 alien conqueror with a secret tie to the destruction of Krypton and a that hair shit lip has been done before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, well, certainly this isn't the first time we've seen something similar. Very similar. Like Superman Earth 1 is basically the exact same plot. Overall, Action Comics 1000 was a fitting tribute to the first and greatest superhero. And though I was a little disappointed with his contribution to the issue, I'm still hopeful for what Bendis is going to bring to the Superman line. I got to give Action Comics 1000 a buy it. You know I would. Oh, of course. I mean, it's a it's a buy it from me too. Now, the counterpoint is that this issue is just a lot of gushing by creators old and new about Superman, but that's what we do in these issues. That's what they should be, you know? Yes. And I agree. Patrick Gleason, I think had a standout, amazing performance here. And you can tell he just gave it everything he had. And his whole story was basically spread pages. They were all splashes, yeah. Yeah, and each one was slightly different and influenced by different decades and you know of Superman through the comics. And he changed his art style slightly with each one and just blew me away. It was so good. I want to focus more on the, on the Bendis story, though, because... I don't know that there was any way that Bendis comes in with any kind of story and people are happy. And I'm not saying that I thought it was the best thing ever. It was an introduction to what he's going to do with the Superman character. And we don't know where it's going to go from here. I honestly believe that this is some type of ruse, a red herring almost, if you will, to lead us in. Because it does seem a little too simple. I find it hard to believe that his first story is an alien with a hair lip and a big axe that hits Superman really <laughs> hard and blew up Krypton. You know, I like, I, I think there's more going on here and I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I will say it was well-written. I don't think it was as heavy Bendis dialogue as some people are labeling it. I thought it was, I yes, thought it, it definitely worked. was. I don't think the women in the diner. Yeah. They talked like people. I mean, if Bendis is guilty of anything, he's guilty of making people sound like people. They didn't sound like Brian Bendis to me. It sounded like two women who were dealing with Superman. <laughs> I, okay. I didn't have a problem with it, and I want to see where it goes. And I thought Jim Lee even toned things down a little bit in the art here. It wasn't as over-the-top Jim Lee as usual. It was a little softer, and I thought it looked good. I am on board to see where this goes, and I'm, I'm giving, giving 1000 a buy it as well. I'm saying save it for the free comic book day issue. 
or like the DC Nation Zero thing that's coming out. Well, the come week on, comic book you, you got to introduce your new writer and artist here, especially when nah. it's Bendis and Jim Lee. Come on, you got to nah. do it in one thousand. Whatever. All right. You tried to make me juggle between two books. You settled on one. Which was it? I ended up doing Skyward, number one from Image. It's written by Joe Henderson with art by Lee Garbett. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. My low G life! Part one. One day, gravity and Earth suddenly became a fraction of what it is now. 20 years later, humanity has adapted to its new low-gravity reality. And to Willa Fowler, a woman born just after G-Day, it's... Well, it's pretty awesome. Actually, you can fly through the air. I mean, sure, you can also die if you jump too high. So you just don't jump too high and maybe don't stumble into a dangerous plan to bring gravity back that could get you killed. This is from the showrunner of Fox's Lucifer and artist Lee Garbett, who also worked on Lucifer, the comic, and Loki, Agent of Asgard. I don't give a shit about Fox's Lucifer, <laughs> to tell you the truth. And I've been very vocal about how bad it is, and I can't believe it's still on TV. So I went into this thinking, I don't know. For those creators brave enough to write comics without superheroes, one thing becomes singularly important to their story. Like any good club banger, you gotta have a hook. And Skyward's hook is very simple. What if gravity as we knew it on planet Earth changed drastically one day? Obviously, that would be bad. And for a few panels here, it is. Lee Garbett is a fantastic penciler with almost a fashion designer type style to his characters. He's using a scratchy thin line paired with digital colors by Antonio Fabella to give the somewhat sci-fi premise a very real world feel. There's emotion and depth in his panels as the world panics while people begin to float away helplessly but instead of moving in a walking dead direction examining the hopeless devastation of the new low g world the story flashes forward 20 years where we meet willa fowler a messenger that's only ever known the earth with low gravity and she loves it willa calmly flies through the air with a smile on her face in her future, people wear harnesses to keep themselves moored to the ground, and things like guns have become memories as they tend to blast the shooter in the other direction violently when fired. Willa is a powerful and happy heroine in what is essentially a slice-of-life book with a great hook. While I'm not a fan of Joe Henderson's Lucifer show, I have to give him props for a well-fleshed-out story with a really good main character and a fabulous art team. Skyward number one gets a buy it. Yeah, I really liked it. I love Lee Garbett. He's so good. I think before he took on the Lucifer book, I think he drew, I'm trying to remember, I think he drew the, the Stephanie Brown Batgirl book. Yes. Do you he, remember that? Yeah, he did work on Batgirl for a while. Uh, yeah, I've been a fan for a long time. I think he's really great. Uh, I liked the story a lot. Like you said, I love how it, you know, the world didn't totally fall apart after the the inciting event well and if it did um, it's not important to this story so we just kind of skipped past it you know yeah and i like the uh i like the little touches like the bit with the, the bit with the guns i thought was pretty great it was cool so that is a double buy it for both action comics number 1000 and skyward number one Post our written reviews over at twitternerd.com so you nerds can tell us what you thought of these two comics April 20th is a very special day in the ziggurat. And this 420, Joe and I are celebrating with a flamethrower and the biggest dab you have Matt, ever seen. It's t Today is the 21st. 
Wait, what? Did you get so high yesterday that you forgot it was 420 and today is your wife's birthday? Oh, shit. That means it's Tony Romo's birthday, too. Joe, we better burn through eight more of reviews because I've Go! got some shopping to do. Let's get this ludicrous speed jump going! Infinity Countdown number two from Marvel! Adam Warlock is finally back in action in the Marvel Universe. Infinity Countdown seems like a lesser Marvel event book. It's kind of scaled down, but it carries a lot of real heart and strong character moments from writer Jerry Duggan, plus some excellent art from Aaron Cooter. I'm enjoying Infinity Countdown a lot. It gets a strong bias. Cooter is just getting better and better, man. Props to that. Love guy. him. Love him. Totally self-taught. Yeah. Antar, number one from IDW. This period piece follows the adventures of real-life pre-Islamic Arab knight Antar ibn Shaddad, a slave who would become one of history's greatest warrior poets. Unfortunately, the creators tried to cram way too much story into 32 pages and ended up jumping from plot point to plot point so fast, the story became almost impossible to follow. Eric Battle's pencils felt rushed as well and left me wondering if there was some insane deadline for this project. Antar is probably a very interesting character, but this isn't the story that's going to do him any justice. I'm giving it a leave it. I do not like Eric Battle. I don't think I do either. Star Trek Discovery, Succession, number one from IDW. Succession dives into the Discovery version of the Mirror Universe. Try to keep up. Where good is bad, and Starfleet is a despotic intergalactic empire. Yeah, everybody has uh, evil mustaches, right? Yeah, goatees. Yeah. These stories are usually a fun time, but I actually found this one kind of boring. It's mostly just standing around and talking. Yeah, you know. Really terrific art, though, from Angel Hernandez. So I'm giving Star Trek Discovery Succession a skimming. Yeah, this is the first Star Trek stuff that hasn't really done much for me at IDW, and I'm kind of shocked. But I, I like the art show. was really good. The art was excellent. Batman 45 from DC. Writer Tom King takes a departure from his hyper-serious Bat story to inject some well-executed comedy in the form of Booster Gold enlisting Bats to save himself from a younger Booster Gold. And very dark comedy ensues. This issue has it all. The death of Hal Jordan, the death of Skeets, not to mention Tony Daniel is now working at a level I have never seen. He has become amazing. Tom King is killing it on Batman, whether I like the wedding of Bats and Catwoman or not. This was just a fun issue featuring Booster Gold, and it gets a huge buy-in. Superman, number 45, from DC. The aforementioned Pete Tomasi and Patrick Gleason wrap up their run with this issue. Here, the Kents say goodbye to their home in Hamilton and prepare to return to Metropolis. This was a wonderful send-off for a team that has delivered a fantastic run. If you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend picking up the rebirth trades of this particular series. Superman 45 gets a huge buy it for me. Black Hammer, Age of Doom, number one from Dark Horse. The only reason I didn't pick this issue for my main review is because you guys have to be sick of me telling you how wonderful Jeff Lemire's Black Hammer book is every month. But it really is. While this isn't the best jumping on point, it's not a bad one either. Lemire has been teasing us with the answer to the big mystery of how our heroes came to live on a farm somehow removed from reality. And just as he's about to tell us, the carpet gets yanked right out from under the reader, and I friggin' love it. Black Hammer is moving Black Hammer is moving into the 90s in this time-displaced meta-comic mystery, and it couldn't be much better. Huge buy it. Cryptopia, number one, from Wonder Masons. What the hell is Wonder Masons? 
Don't ask me. I have no idea. Okay. Imagine a female Indiana Jones that hunts monsters instead of artifacts. Huh, no thanks. <laughs> that's the elevator pitch for Cryptopia from writer Benjamin Robb, a name that I have not seen since the 90s. Hmm. And artist Pat Quinn. Quinn's art is nice. The story is lighthearted fun, even if it leans heavily on very familiar adventure tropes. Some of the lettering choices are really difficult to read, but I had fun with Cryptopia overall. I'm giving it a strong skimmit. Okay. Her Infernal Descent, number one from Aftershock. An aging widow is visited by the ghost of William Blake, who rhymes like the demon Etrigan in perfect verse as he convinces her to join him on a journey into hell to find her family. And the main character is just surly enough to play along, but isn't putting up with any of Hell's crap either. <laughs> While the story is a little slow, it still works very well as an adaptation of Dante's Inferno with excellent art by Kyle Charles. This turned out to be really good. I love the pacing. I thought it was perfect. Uh, yeah, I thought it was really good. Voosh! That is your ludicrous speed round, and voosh is the sound of the Flash moving all of the Kent's belongings back to Metropolis at super speed. What a guy. As seen in the pages of Superman number 45, this onomatopoeia was submitted by Joe because he forgot to ask for one this week. Sorry. If you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, just hit us up on any of our social media, or you can shoot us an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Well, nerds, it's Earth Day, and Matt and I are thrilled to welcome Captain Planet to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum for a little post-420 celebration, where we'll rap about our must-read picks for next week while sipping on some scissor and smoking some fat blunts. Yeah, I didn't know. Captain Planet's a trap lord now. You see this guy? He's all blinged out and shit. (laughs) (laughs) Retirement's been really nice to him. Matt, what's your pick for next week? My pick for next week is The Prisoner, number one from Titan. It's written by Peter Milligan with art by Colin Lorimer. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. The cult TV series comes to life in a brand new comic series by Peter Milligan and artist Colin Lorimer. I just said that. Time to coincide with the 50th anniversary of the first U.S. transmission. This new series transports readers back to the mysterious village where everyone is a number. I loved the old Prisoner TV show because my dad loved it. And I didn't really understand it, but it's got a huge cult following, and it really is fun stuff. I'm excited to revisit this. I think Peter Milligan is doing fantastic work right now, and you know that he loves his show. So I understand it's nerdy British sci-fi, but some of us still love that crap. Joe Patrick, <laughs> what is your pick for next week? I didn't. Well, not. you didn't plug it in. I didn't That's plug right. it in. I got it right here. Okay. It's Avengers 690 from Marvel Comics, written by Mark Wade. Al Ewing and Jim Zub with art by Pepe Larraz. It's 32 pages for $3.99. It is the conclusion of the weekly epic No Surrender. The battle is over, and those left standing in the rubble have to find a way to move forward. As an era of the Avengers comes to a close, what will rise to take its place? Uh, if you haven't been reading a No Surrender, you are missing out it's on really some good. amazing classic Avengers action. I have loved every minute of it, and I'm excited to see what happens. I know we're all just kind of clearing the decks for Jason Aaron to come in, but 
I think that they have done a great job with this. All of the Avengers have gotten moments to shine. Yeah, and they haven't they haven't cheapened Wade's run at all. Like they, we all know that there's a big reset coming, but they're letting this play out, and it's been great. It's just yeah, been and great. Like who would have thought that like Living Lightning from the '90s? Yeah, would it would be such a great character, make a great comeback. I hope they do something with him in the future. I do too. The THN Trade of the Week goes to. Fear Agent, final edition trade paperback, volume one. It's from Image Comics. It's written by Rick Remender with art by Tony Moore and Jerome Opinia. 256 damn pages for 20 bucks. Wow. That's insanity. Here's your solicit. The critically acclaimed hit series Fear Agent returns to Image Comics. The homecoming begins with a new series of remaster edition trades, each collecting 10 issues of Rick Remender, Tony Moore, and Jerome Pena's seminal pulp sci-fi classic. Veteran fans and new recruits alike can experience the whiskey-soaked laser-scorched life of Heath Hudson, the galaxy's last fear agent. Loaded with never-before-seen scripts, variant covers, designs, and concept art, when down-and-out alien exterminator Heath Hudson stumbles upon an extraterrestrial plot to commit genocide against a human species, he must put down the bottle and resume his role as a peacekeeper. Fear agent is simply wonderful. I was just suggesting this to some guys at work uh, the other day who were fans of Rick Remender and didn't even know about this book. This is a perfect time, if you've never read it, to pick this up and check it out. Fury Agent is at times hard to read, but that's only because it is so good. And Rick Remender loves torturing his characters. He's so yeah. good at it. <laughs> and very uh, like early work from Tony Moore and Jerome Opinion. Yeah. Like, and they were still great back then. Uh, point of order, it's Heath Houston. You keep transposing the T and the S. You I know, I did. Hudson. Hudson. Sorry, it is Heath Houston. <laughs> it's just spelled H-U-S-T-O-N. My bad. But yeah, I'm definitely going to pick these up because I, I never got it collected. And if they're going to do a nice series of bookshelf trades, I want them. Oh, I got all the hardcovers. They're beautiful. Show off. Be sure to share your Captain Planet stoner fan fiction with us along with your must-read picks for next Wednesday. And let us know if there's a book you want us to read and review. Do it, you guys. Come on. I'm begging for it here. As I'm sure you're aware, the mighty movie Avengers reassemble next week, and they're headed into space for a tussle with Thanos himself, which means the Guardians are sure to show up along the star of the Guardians 2 credit cookie. That's right. I'm talking about Adam Warlock. Who? You might be asking that. Well, fear not, my Marvel Cosmic ignorant friends, because our very own THN comic historian, Mr. Jason Sachs, is back with another edition of Who the Hell is This Guy? The Adam Warlock Edition. Who the hell is Adam Warlock? The answer is complicated. He's a scientific creation, a messiah, a dead man, aware of the Infinity Gauntlet, a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy, and oh so much more. Way more than I can include in a short little report, so I'll try to hit the high points. Our gold skin Nom Simpson first appeared in the pages of Fantastic Four number 66, which means he was created by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee in 1967. And he was also created by a group of scientists known as the Enclave. Yeah, I never heard of them either, which goes to show how unimportant they were said that they created this cosmic being with the unimaginative name of Him. After a rebellious battle against his creators in a battle with Thor, Him travels into space to find his destiny. And what a destiny it was, because somehow, in some of the oddest comics of the 1970s, Him acquires the name Warlock. 
and becomes transformed into becoming a kind of Jesus-type figure in a world across our sun in which anthropomorphized animals live. The early 70s Power of Warlock series, which was immortalized in Warlock Masterworks Volume 1, is just freaking bizarre. When that series got canceled, Cosmic Jim Starlin picked up the character and performed the same magic for Warlock that they did for Captain Marvel a year or two earlier. From then on, Starlin and Warlock were always associated with each other. In, in Starlin's new series, Warlock acquires his soul gem, which would eventually become part of the Infinity Gauntlet. Foreshadowing here! This era is when Thanos came into Warlock's life because, as part of some of the trippiest comics of the 70s, Warlock finds himself in an existential and physical battle with Thanos. Finally, both Thanos and Warlock are killed, or kind of killed, in 1977's Marvel 2-in-1 Annual. Both Warlock and Thanos eventually get better. Spoilers! Warlock was gone for most of the oddball 80s, which means Jim Shooter missed his chance to write about this godlike character. Weird for him. But in 1991, Starlin revived Warlock for the Infinity Gauntlet. Might have heard of that one. Turns out Warlock wasn't actually dead. Instead, his soul was in his gem, assuming he was in paradise. It felt like he was in the perfect place in the world. But of course, um, because Thanos was threatening the universe again, the Silver Surfer came in and persuaded Adam to leave the gem and his perfect paradise in order to bring order back to the universe. Finally, Warlock does so, and the dramatic climax to Infinity Gauntlet, the team triumphs, and Thanos is defeated once again. Again, spoilers. As part of the win, Warlock gets to keep the Infinity Gauntlet. To keep the power of the Gauntlet from growing, Warlock distributes the soul gems among his friends, Hip, Gamora, Drax, Moondragon, and a heroic Thanos. Long story. The team is called the Infinity Watch, and went on to have a decent-sized run of comics in the early 90s. Together, the PAL saved the universe a bunch of times, including in miniseries such as The Curse of Rune, Infinity Abyss, Marvel Universe The End, and Thanos Epiphany. Along the way, ordinary things happen. You know, Warlock dies, is replaced by an ex extra-dimensional counterpart, and finally gets better from both things before embarking in a career as a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy and as a kind of freelance cosmic warrior constantly ready for battle. Jim, Star Jim Starlin has continued to write the character in his original graphic novels for Marvel, including The Infinity Revelation, The Infinity Revelativity, The Infinity Finale, and The Infinity Entity. All these are available on Comixology and in print, and, and you know, if you like this stuff, it's well worth reading. None of us really know the role Adam Warlock will play in the upcoming Infinity War film, but with a word like Infinity in its title, you know Warlock's gotta be in there somewhere probably fighting the godlike good fight to help stop his infinite nemesis Thanos from destroying the whole universe. It's kind of Warlock's thing. Thank you, Jason, for that informative bio on Adam Warlock. If you want to check out more of Jason's work, you can find it in the American Comic Book Chronicles, the 1970s, the 1980s, and the upcoming 1990s, or in one of his many eBooks available on Amazon. Jason also co-edited Jim Shooter Conversations and the upcoming Steve Gerber Conversations, also available on Amazon. Be sure to say hi to him on Facebook and Twitter, too. He's a great Twitter follow and a super nice guy. Easy on the eyes, too. That's why we call him Jason Sexier. Excelsior! Oh. <laughs> that is it for Teaching 484. But before we get out of here, Joe Patrick, tell these nerds, rather, 
Let's ask these nerds a new question of the week. All right. This week's question, once again, comes from Lord Steven, Master of Coin. What superpower do you believe is the scariest? Whoa. Something that's either terrifying for the person who has the power or a power set that you would never want to come across in your life. I already have an answer. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> THN is a listener-supported podcast, and we want to thank everyone that shells out their hard-earned cash that they could be spending on comics every week. By supporting the show on PayPal and Patreon without you nerds, we can't afford these power inhibitors we wear around our necks that stop us from cracking this planet in fucking half. You guys don't even understand how yeah, lucky you are. Talk about terrifying power. Quick, quick little shout out to Adam Knox, our newest patron. Hey, Adam. Adam actually was a patron before. He had to take a little break. And as promised, when he was able to, he came back well, and we appreciate it. Welcome back aboard. I'm glad he's a millionaire now. That's great. What a success story. <laughs> before we go, our weekly shout out goes to our pals, Chase Magnet and Andrea Shockling. Andrea passed through town on her way home from Denver this week. She set up as an artist at the Dink convention in Denver and did really well. It's a great little independent convention and you should check it out. And we were able to all get together for awesome food and great comics talk. It was a wonderful time. It was good to see you guys. Yeah, it was a nerdy good time. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just tattoo Dink on your forehead. This is the Two-Headed Nerd. (laughs) Signing off.